0: Well, wow, here's uh, a <laughs> toast to Tom doing that great <laughs> smooth. smooth. <laughs> it was on my nose. And uh, diving uh, lost another great one. Brando <laughs> electrocuted himself while recording a podcast today.
1: I knew coffee would be the death of me. I just didn't think it would be this way. I don't know if you got to go.
0: All right, well, hey, welcome back, Brando.
1: Well, it's great to be back,
0: Jamesy. After another cave diving month.
1: Yes, and I think today's topic kind of extends cave diving month
0: a little bit. In many ways it does, yeah, yeah, because today we're going to talk about the Unfortunate passing of one of diving's living legends, uh, especially for deep divers, cave divers, technical divers, American divers for sure. Good old uh, <laughs> you, good old patriotic <laughs> American pig.
1: You know that's not in fashion to be patriotic. I hope it's coming well, you back. Know what, but I'm, I'm
0: learning about the people over you know on the. Apparently there's more to planet Earth than America, apparently.
1: Oh come on. Have you heard this? Have you heard this rumor?
0: <laughs> but I don't know how big, you know, Tom Mount was in you know the circles of of the other hemisphere. You know, yeah. over here growing up, you knew his name. I mean if you were anything more than a you know a basic recreational, advanced open water diver, you knew who Tom Mount was.
1: Right. If you were into this is, diving, I mean, if you
0: were yes. if you were diving in the '90s, the 2000s, you know, you knew Tom Mount for sure. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. He was, uh, you know, I, I don't like to use the word idol or anything like that, but he was definitely someone I looked up to in the diving world. And yeah, it's a it's a, it's a sad day his passing, but you know. You don't know what's on the other side. We don't know what happens. Maybe he's uh, doing better. I mean, I have to believe in his belief system, too. You, know,
0: sure. you, you say he's uh, doing the, the great big tech dive in the sky. Is that <laughs> exact- what he's
1: doing? That's exactly what I'm saying. He's on that, he's on that uh, endless cave dive. That's just uh, what he always wanted to do, I'm sure, something to that effect.
0: Where you'd never have to worry about... Gas decompression supply, or it, any you know, any yeah. of the physiological mm-hmm. effects. It, it's just and it's filled li- with beautiful women everywhere. <laughs> I'm just sitting there. For no. <laughs> and then uh, like there's at the very back of the cave, there's a karate dojo for him to go. Uh, you know, yes, do some sparring. So, uh, he's, he, he's
1: you know big into that too, into his martial arts. Yeah, he was very big into the mental aspect, especially, and that was one of the reasons I really admired him. That's really where I I kind of. Uh, he struck a key with me; resonated with me.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that was the big thing with me too. Uh, Tom Mount was was a bit of a man who uh, beat to his own drum in in many ways, but his mental focus on the psychology of surviving stressful situations, particularly for diving, and he equated it a lot to his martial arts training, which you know I've I've done for years too. You know, trying to do that that mind body connection. Uh, and he was, you know, a pioneer in that in many ways.
1: Oh, absolutely. Among other things. Yes, but yeah. Well, I, I just remember getting into technical diving and there there was not a lot of uh A, there was not a lot of information, B there was not a lot of technical divers. And then I found, you know, found Tom Mount and uh, that's really when it kinda took off for me. So That's why, yes, it was uh Sad for us that he passed on. I think again the the condition the world is these days. He's probably uh, he's probably th- thanking someone for taking him out of
0: this shit show. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. Uh, glad he uh, didn't have to do another year of pandemic. Glad he didn't have to sit and watch World War Three unfold in front of our eyes. Yeah,
1: yeah. Among other things, yeah, it was uh, definitely a sad day for the diving community. We lost a big one, uh, a great contributor, and and just a, From all I can tell, I I can say I've never met met him personally, but uh, from all I can tell, he was uh, just a really good person. I do have friends that knew him personally, and they have nothing but
0: praise for the man. Yeah, I've got a you know a buddy that did some training with him back in the the early '90s. Who was that? Johnny.
1: Oh, he trained. That's right. Johnny did. Because my my buddy, um, uh, <laughs> his first name goes. Always, I always called him John. Uh, I'll never forget but this. I'll guy. never forget. My father told he's my best friend. <laughs> my,
0: this guy's my best <laughs> my friend. Best I'll best never, pal. I'll never forget
1: him. His name was um, no. Um, <laughs> I, the reason I'm I'm messed up is I was talking about the Super Bowl commercials. Did you watch Super Bowl at all?
0: Uh, I'm not yeah, yeah. usually
1: a, a watcher, but I watched and uh I was talking with Mikey, my boy yesterday. I thought and I said I thought the best commercial was was that uh Jones commercial, the Jones, right? With uh the Joneses pulling up next to each other and Tom Jones playing in the background. Right. And I thought right, it was right, yeah. well done and pretty funny and, and anyway, my buddy's name is, is his last name's Jones, but his first name's Tony. And I kept thinking Tom Jones, and I'm like, no, he's not Tom Jones because that right, right, commercial yeah. stuck
0: in my head. Yes, I remember you talking about Tony Jones before.
1: Yeah, Tony was Tony. Uh, just thought the world out of Tom Mount, two people, Tom Mount and Larry Green, and he did. He was an instructor. He was an uh, instructor with IATD, a very low number instructor, and knew both of these guys very well, and thought the world of both of them.
0: So, you know, it's interesting that you know we. We sit here right now at a at a pretty amazing time. Absolutely. Because, you know, we've got this really great podcast. We've got an audience that, for some reason, tunes in week after week after week and <laughs> listens to the nonsense that comes out of our mouths sometimes. Uh, but also, we're able to share some history with the people because... We're at a time where we're coming to the end of a lot of those yeah. instrumental pioneers in what we do. I mean, Tom was a guy that, I mean, he wasn't the first round of diver like Cousteau. But, I mean, he started diving in 1957. Right. Right. So, I mean, he was in that, like, first real that- commercial explosion of, uh, scuba. of people on mm-hmm. scuba. Yeah, right?
1: Oh, I'd agree. Yeah, he definitely uh, was incremental in you know, making scuba take off, and especially in the tech diving. I don't know if if that was his goal. I don't think it was. I think he was more about learning about diving and learning about himself. Uh, that's what I always got out of him. But um,
0: you know what? That's an interesting man. perspective because um, talking to my buddy John, who did some training with him, you know, that was one of the things he had mentioned was a lot of those other guys. As they were growing, they saw what they were, and they were businessmen, you know, building companies, selling them off, you know, in it for right. the money they could make, which Tom really never was. Although he was part of a lot of those early businesses on the board of directors, he was really like a diver and a teacher his whole life. I mean, that that's mm-hmm. what he loved, and that's what his passion was. and. He didn't want to be a big businessman. He didn't want to be a guy, you know, you know, selling off a company, making millions and and kicking back on a yacht for the rest of his life. He wanted to be hands dirty in the water, charged a fairly, like, routine, regular price for his classes his whole life. I mean, he wasn't, you want to train with Tom Mount, you're going to pay $20,000 a day for class kind of guy, you know?
1: Yeah, he did not charge legend prices like he should have. Like, we know other people that are calling themselves legends and kind of are, but they charge legend prices, and they aren't uh You can go to Mott
0: Underwater island. right now and uh, sign up for one. <laughs>
1: You're on legendary status, but not charging those legendary status prices.
0: I like it. So he was also another one of these guys that was in the military and learned a lot of his early stuff as a Navy diver. Right. And uh, he, was in, uh, he was a UDT diver for a little while as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He was UTD diver. He was a uh, saturation diver for the NOAA. He, he's, name it, he's probably done it
0: kind of thing and again that was back in the early 60s
1: yes dive officer at
0: university of miami right so being down in florida he, he got mixed up in that circle of the the sheck exley's yes
1: and sheck exley uh thought the world of the man too apparently i mean he said tom mount has more cave dives than then anyone in the world quote unquote from yeah because she- tom sheck was
0: exley. tom was living it and mm-hmm. l- like i mentioned earlier about like him like beating to his own drum, kind of, you know, he was living it. He was diving it. He was doing it and he was trying to tell it to the people. I mean, he was a, a reoccurring writer for Skin Diver back mm-hmm. in the, the, the 60s and 70s and wrote about cave diving a lot. Um, his articles were published there and then later on, you know, got into a big feud with his old Skin Diver buddies because they tried to shy away from and hide everything about deep diving, everything about nitrox diving, and Tom was out there on the forefront trying to bring it out to the people. Exactly. Well, that, that was
1: <laughs> that was at that time period where I, I think uh, certain large agencies would like to bury their their remarks and what they said and what they did at that time, as far as nitrox and technical diving and... Anything other than what they were selling. In other words, they they mouthed anything they weren't selling.
0: Right, which is where My anger you know, Tom, comes
1: from, Tom, um, <laughs>
0: I, can, I can hear it. I can hear it. <laughs> the uh but that's where you know he you know got together with Dick Rkowski, right. the father of Nitrox, and uh started up at the time I A N D, right, which was really one of the first agencies. To go against the grain of the big guys, right—the the the, Patties, the Nowies. right? Yeah, actually,
1: I mean they—they they formed that uh,
0: that Nitrox diving
1: certification agency, and nobody else was touching it. And then they saw it was successful, and then they all grabbed on and said, "Oh, you know," they all of a sudden they flipped their their fucking sides, you know that thing about loyalty. It's it gets me sometimes. <laughs> it's not even loyalty. It, I don't even know if that it can be called loyalty. It's just a hypocrisy. The hypocrisy. We're all hypoc— you know, we're all hypocrites to a certain degree. But to be a hypocrite at that level, and you're supposed to be professionals and have knowledge and and be looking on the horizon for the newest thing, or you know how to expand our uh, exploratory horizons. That's what explorers do, right? Well, the main agencies didn't.
0: Well, it's that's uh i don't know man i i wish i had more time like free time to to just sit and study this stuff because is is there another industry out there other yeah. than scuba that that was built like this like agency based you know exploration where your level of exploration and commitment to this activity is ruled by a certification agency mm-hmm. rather than like just going out and doing it. Like yeah. you can explore the back country on skis or a snowboard, but you don't need a certification to do it. You know, you can free solo climb a, a mountain. You don't have to be certified to, to go with no rope. You don't have to be certified to, to go up a certain rock. True. You know what True. I mean? Yeah. I, you, I you can think, mountain uh... bike. You can do some crazy mountain biking you don't have to be certified by anybody. You don't have to you don't have to have four letters, you know, uh-huh. patch on your sleeve to to do like virtually anything out there other than scuba. And then I think these agencies because they've got the the money coming in, it becomes about that rather than what it is that they were trying to do in the first place, which was make safer divers. You know, it it becomes no, you gotta you gotta lock in to this agency.
1: Yeah, yeah, I get I get that side of it for sure. For sure, uh, but on the other side is uh, there have been self taught, especially in the technical realm, uh, and especially in the early days when uh, technical diving certification agencies really weren't there. There may be, you know, like INTD was there, and but a lot of people again, looked at it and said, oh, they just have extra tanks and extra regulators. And uh, I can do that. I, I'm pretty good with my hands. I'll strap some together. And as you recall in those days, it was like a death a week in our local area, right? <laughs> a death right, a week, right. you know? Maybe exaggerating a wee bit, but not that much. It was, the, the medevac chopper was a regular occurrence at the old quarry. But that was just people looking at technical diving and going, oh, it's just some extra gear. I could do that.
0: (laughs) Oh, he's got two tanks
1: on. Yeah. Oh, extra regulators. I've got extra money to burn. I'll throw on eight regulators and 16 knives and uh, four computers. Well, you know, that's a
0: that's an interesting point as well is, you know, we we touched on it a little bit earlier, but, but this was the thing that for me that i respected so much about tom was he focused so much on that mental game and the psychology of being underwater and like teaching that mental toughness of never of never giving up no matter what Mm -hmm.
1: yeah never giving up the focus the clarity the um you are in control of your mind not vice versa
0: you know, I remember, you know, talking with my buddy, John, and, and that's one of the things I remember him saying is Tom was a diver's diver. He was like just a purist. Yeah. He did it. He did his thing and, and he was a diver's diver. Like he lived yeah. it. He breathed it. He taught it. He did it.
1: Whereas I, I think if you can find something like that in your life that does that for you, that focuses you, you know, to that laser point, uh, type focus of your life, that you dedicate your life to it. Uh, That's amazing. I mean, that produces a happy life, number one. Uh, Borderline psychotic, sometimes people would think. I mean, uh, and I don't mean Tom was that way. I look at, like, I'm saying my wife thinks I, especially before we got married, the way I was with diving, and even while we were married, like, she thought I was nuts just because it consumed... My energy and my thoughts, and I was just I loved it so much. I still love it i 'm just older i 'm just old now, although you look at Tom, and this is the thing. Tom was in his 80s, I think he still had the exact same passion, the exact same drive, and the exact same you're focus. absolutely right
0: i just uh, I just saw an interview with him uh, this was only from a couple of years ago, and his point that he said in this interview was i 'm lucky enough to still do what I love. Yeah. I, 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 I love teaching diving. I love going diving. I love martial arts. And I've been able to live a life where I've got to do those two things my whole entire life. So he was saying, like, I've, I've lived a wonderful, happy life because like, I've mm-hmm. always gotten to do what I've loved doing. I've never had that other side of having to slave away at something for the majority of my life to, so I can hopefully go out and maybe do a dive this month. Yeah, well, and that's the
1: thing is, I think he put more work in than anybody would put into their normal job. He put more work into diving, but he thoroughly enjoyed it. And another thing you mentioned too is his his passion for the martial arts, and I th- I think he saw the connection, the connecting you know uh, aspects of both activities, and he brought them together. You know, and the, and the connection is the mental aspect. The connection is not doing. Uh, karate underwater okay that's not the connection the connection is the mental focus that of course said it's, it's you, nowadays. <laughs> a roundhouse <laughs> a roundhouse kick underwater with split fins would kill a man in the split second <laughs> but uh, it's like, two it, kicks think, uh forever, it's like two kicks for every roundhouse you, you you tie your snorkels together and you got nunchucks you're golden. <laughs> but no, I, what I'm getting at is the mental focus, the, the psychological aspects of, of martial arts and the psychological focus needed for scuba diving at a level, especially at a level where Tom Mount was diving uh, in the caves and, and deep and saturation diving and mixed gas. And, and basically pioneering an unexplored
0: area of diving. You know, one of the other things I remember John talking about was that although Tom did a lot of what would be seen by much of the population of divers as some crazy dives, you know, I mean, again, here's a guy that was doing, you know, dives two, three hundred feet, you know, back in the 60s. Right. You know, uh, 1965, you know, he and Frank Martz, you know, were in, you know, 365 feet of water doing a a record, which kind of fun, like, looking back at some of this stuff. I'm I'm reminded of of some of those old, that that deep air series that we did a couple years back, you know, Mm -hmm. because, you know, a lot of these names popped up back then. But, you know, I remember John saying that as much as he was, like, doing a lot of these crazy dives, he never saw Tom as the a kind of guy that was like really pushing the limits because Tom was so calculated in how he did stuff and he did things in such an incremental way that it was just doing another little dive for him, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, he approached it intelligently and and methodically.
0: Yeah, kind of building this mental toughness that we talked about, right? Cuz I mean, especially in those days, You know, you know, Tom was doing this stuff and Tom was at the height of doing this stuff in, uh, you know, prior to, you know, what we look at today of the finesse of a a really good cave and technical diver. You know, you know, the, the focus on beautiful body mechanics and trim and technique and cleanliness, you know, back in these early days, there was an element of chaos to the game that you needed to be able to quiet the world around you and be able to gain focus on on the task at hand of of being able to move extremely slowly so that everything was actually fast and smooth and clean
1: yes pioneering that you know idea of streamlining and i think he realized early on uh, carbon dioxide underwater very bad
0: yeah, you I know. would say he was probably one of the first ones to realize that. I mean, he was writing about that stuff way early on. Right.
1: Right. And I think if you look, at, you know, at some of the other people today that have benefited off of his his experience and uh his teachings, uh you look at like the Jared Jablonskis and he was instrumental in building us up to what we are today. I mean, just just a huge part of it, just a huge brick in that foundation.
0: You know, back in the early 90s, you remember this book, Brando? You got this book? Yes. You know, t- Tom Mount and Brett Gilliam, you know, put out a book called Mixed Gas Diving. Which is like a with, Bible. Uh, it was a Bible yeah, for mixed gas Yeah, like it was like the Bible. It yeah. was with your buddy instructor, Randy Bohr has some chapters in here. Yeah, my old open Ola, water. Uh, a couple of Michigan yeah, divers, uh, Harris Taylor, and uh, Lee Summers, and, and a few others. But you know, back then, like he's he's writing. You know, like there's a chapter in here just about the science and art of breathing. Where you know he he talks about not just the the respiratory system and the circulatory system, but but also the nervous system. Goes into deep deep discussion about how gas is exchanged in the lungs and talking about metabolism and CO2 back in 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 the the early 90s.
1: Exactly that's when I found you know that's when I found Tom Mount. I was just floored. Everything just hit a chord with me. It was awesome and I I, you know bought up everything he had to offer.
0: So in his book the uh, Tao of Survival Underwater there was a really good Description that he had that I just wanted to make a quick note of. So he's talking about a book by Lawrence Gonzalez called Deep Survival, where he quotes Gonzalez saying that training is an attempt to make predictions more accurate in a given environment. But as the environment changes and it always does, what you need is Versatility the ability to perceive what's really happening and adapt to it. So the training and prediction may not always be your best friend. So he he quotes (laughs) him there, and then Tom comes in and he says, the final sentence in the above quote underscores the crucial difference between training and learning and, as such, can be applied to diving. The diver is taught skills and emergency procedures that may be simple or complex. Methodologically, the diver's instruction progress in a stepwise fashion, which continuously builds on and increases the diver's capacity to perform should certain incidences occur. However, the environment may produce an emergency in a manner not rehearsed in training. Thus, the diver who accepts training as the equivalent of learning may respond to the novel emergency in a way that is more suited for other situations. In contrast, the diver whose training led to actual learning adapts his or her cognitive map to include the new information. This, in turn, allows for generalization. The diver may innately modify survival techniques taught during training to meet environmental demands. Thus, this diver who does not confuse training with learning has a higher probability of survival than the diver who believes that training and learning are merely different words for the same process. I uh, that. Go go ahead. Yeah, I mean, that's I was just something gonna, that I loved.
1: Oh yeah. I, well, you know why you love it, Jamesy? Because it goes to our credo, which is diving is life. Because that is diving is life, right there. In in, in more complex words, of course, because you're not training for life. You're learning in life. You're learning. You, there's a distinct difference between <laughs> between the two. I think he pointed it out right there. Learning is. Is uh, being able to adapt what you've taken in and and put it into use. That's learned. That's ideally what we're aiming for when we're tr- when we are quote unquote tr- teaching. I shouldn't say training. We I call you a teacher because you're a teacher. Um, when you're teaching students, you want them to learn. You're not training them per se, right? Training is weightlifting. It's you know. Same thing, routine. It doesn't. It doesn't make that your mind like wrap around it and adapt to that subject. So I think. Well, I think that's. I mean, that's how I took what he said. This is diving his life. It's it's learning, not training.
0: Well, yeah. So I, I think here was one of the early guys that had a focus on the bigger picture of taking a class. You know, Education. He, he was one of the early ones that was. You know, class isn't. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, here's your card. Right. Right. It's there's a there's a combination of yes, we need to sit down so that you can learn the physical steps in doing a gas switch. Right? We you need to learn the valves behind your head and correlate what regulator is controlled by what, you know, knob and wh- what you got to turn. There's that part, but then there's adapting that. To be able to correlate it to different aspects of different dives and let the environment dictate the dive plan in many ways. And can you show that you actually have learned this stuff and have the ability to, to apply it when I'm not sitting there saying, Okay, do a valve drill. Yeah. Or I'm not gonna teach
1: you what to you know, and I and I've said this too, when I used to t- teach more frequently. I would say listen I I cannot train you to be ready for every single situation you're going to encounter in a technical dive in a dive period right but what I would like to do is teach you a uh, a way to approach it and handle it and think through this this scenario given given your training so in other words I don't I can't give you every everything you're going to uh, see underwater. There's no way. Not in a class. Not in a, a lifetime of classes. I, I can't prepare you for any possible scenario. But what I can do is get you to think in a manner that could have you prepared for almost anything that gets thrown at you.
0: Yeah, and I think you know that's something I that I learned from you is it was like the first time I ever heard it, and I think you mm-hmm. share a lot of that with Tom in that you had an openness and a willingness to tell people that that's the real picture. Right? It's it's not like everything sugar coated in the early yeah. levels of training where yeah. they, they 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 try so hard in an open water class to tell you that it's just you know. Pretty fishies and happy times. On you're gonna go hang out on yeah. the beach in a hammock after the dive, and there's rainbows and puppies everywhere. Which is all it's, true. <laughs> it's there. That stuff is there. But
1: you have to give the other side too. It's, you can't just give one side. It's you know. It's a, we're a binary existence reality. So yes, you do have the beauty of being underwater, but it comes with the ugly side too which is oh, I shouldn't say the ugly side but the the darker side the if you don't do things
0: right you're dead side right yes and and at the er, and in the early days right in the early open water basic you know beginner class days it's pretty easy to to stay within those boundaries you know dive yeah. smart dive conservatively that's what they tell you but the problem is that's what they bank on yeah but somebody gets 20 dives under their belt and they feel like superman and they it's so easy mm-hmm. to get beyond your training and your comfort zone yeah. when all you've had is that very very simplified very sugar-coated approach and that's what I liked about you know what you just said what what Tom was known for saying is mm-hmm. no 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 we we need to be able to train beyond You know, your certification give you the ability to be able to think and adapt at all of the myriad of things that could pop up that I I can never sit down and list Mm. to put on a slate for you. So you have a checklist for each and every one. Mm -hmm. There's so many different variables that can come into the game.
1: Yeah, in order to do that, you'd need to go through every single scenario that could ever possibly happen. That's the beauty of diving is you never know, it, you know, it's like a box of chocolates. I, my mama used to say.
0: You never know Absolute. what you're going to get. Right, right, absolutely. <laughs> in Michael Menduno's interview that he did with him for Aquacore magazine back in the the mid-90s, like 1995. Mm-hmm. That you know the TDI SDI gang just re-released a bunch of these, but Michael Menduno asked him in one of these questions. He asked him about where he thought people are going to get into trouble in technical diving. Right, this is 1995. Um, you know the, the tech conference is just getting going. Um, technical diving is. Very much in its infancy. I mean, Mm -hmm. you've got I A and T D pretty much right now. I mean, you got Andy out there, you know, teaching. You know, uh, old Ed Betts out on the West Coast was doing some nitrox stuff. Um, TDI is TDI out there yet? uh, TDI I think is just going because this is right about the time that he and Dick and Billy Deans and Brett Gilliam Gilliam. started. Mm -hmm. They all started splitting off and going right their own ways. Because early on, Brett and um, Tom were together mm-hmm. and then Tom wanted or uh, you know Tom stuck with IA and T D right IA and D turned into I and T D. Brett Gilliam wanted to take uh, TDI a different way. But yeah, it was right around that same time. But yeah along those same lines what we were just talking about, Tom's answer to you know what it is that's gonna get people into trouble is he said, I think there are two things that get people into trouble. The biggest thing is Brando's favorite word complacency. People get lazy. They become too familiar with what they're doing and just don't do that little extra. You find the same thing is true of commercial pilots in the airline industry. The second, I think, is all of us. Even if you're pretty humble and have a reasonable degree of humility, all of us still have a bit of ego. You probably wouldn't do this kind of diving if you didn't have a little bit of ego because you probably wouldn't have the confidence to do it. I think there are a lot of times when we let our crocodile mouths outweigh our asses, as the rednecks (laughs) say. (laughs) Even though that we may have overstepped our boundaries, we feel compelled to live up to the challenge that we put ourselves into. That gets a lot of people in trouble.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, He hits on everything that we've talked about before, you know, complacency, ego. Ego is part of the complacency. You just get too used to it, uh, which I hope, I hope never really happens to me. Although you know, you never, you never know. I try to stay vigilant. He's dead on.
0: Well, it's the same reason why you and I have dove so many dives together, but we still fall back to those core principles when we're in Absolutely. the water, right? We still do the same plan we've been doing for mm-hmm. twenty years, and it's not just a glossed over. It's it's so that you know, I know about you, you know about me. It's the quick check. We haven't been down cave diving in over a year. We still start off the same way we always do, whereas so many people would easily would say, oh, come on down, we're going to do this huge huge <laughs> dive. Let's just do yeah. it. You guys will be fine. You know, there's, there's something to not being that complacent and going yeah. through that humility of, no, man, I, I want to make sure I'm on my game, that I'm on my A game for you, and you're saying the same thing for me. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that Tom would respect out of you and I.
1: Yeah, I would think so. I think he'd be right in that, you know, that's him right there. It's uh at least from what I understand. So
0: Well, yeah, so talking with my buddy John the other day, you know, he said that Tom was big on meditation, pre dive meditation. Yes. And he said he would have you sit there and meditate and run through and visualize the whole entire dive right. before the dive. But What I thought was really unique about the way John explained this is he said not just like visualizing the dive like you hear a lot of people talk about, but specifically all the way through you getting out of the water on a successful dive, right? Visualizing the dive, visualizing all the gas switches that you were going to do, visualizing the whole decompression, visualizing climbing out of the water and taking your gear off in completion of a successful dive. No, I, I can
1: remember this, though, uh, and I did some training with my buddy. That's how I met Tony Jones. He was actually a trainer uh, for a friend of mine, and uh, the friend of mine introduced me to Tony, and we became good friends um, back in the day. I haven't seen Tony in a little while, but he he got out of diving. I think he's a pilot now, uh, but long story short is he, Tony preached that to me because he learned it from Tom Mount as an instructor under Tom Mountain, and that kind of thing really hits home with me. As far as sitting and especially the big dives, I'm not going to say I sit there and visualize or or meditate or even go through uh, you know any kind of focus like that pre dive on a on a, one of my little dives in the quarry. But I do do a bit of that on a bigger dive. There, there's a time to sit and focus and, and visualize. Which seems to help things underwater. Wouldn't you say? I mean, when you've already gone through it in your head, at least you have an idea of how it's going to happen underwater. And especially when the shit hits the fan, kind of thing.
0: Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. The, you know, for you to go through every task that you're doing, just winging it with your, you know, prior knowledge. And hoping it's going to come out, versus sitting there and already experiencing it. There's a huge benefit to. I mean, it's it's like learning anything. I mean, uh, it, it would be very difficult, if not impossible, for me to print off the uh, the music to uh, a song and just pick up a guitar and try to play it. You know, you've got to sit there with it and kind of stew in it a little bit and and feel it internally. Absorb it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's got to come out of you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Now, when you learn that song the first time, you don't play it great. You suck, generally. You suck a lot in your own room with the door closed (laughs) before you open up and go, hey, listen to this. (laughs) You know, but but when you suck underwater <laughs> it doesn't end very well i no. hate to tell you people no 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 and uh, yeah,
1: i'm not going to speak for you but i've been i've sucked underwater trust me and i and i don't like it but you you have to go through that you have to go through it and you learn that's
0: hence again you learn it's learning right and that's that toughness of yeah, of I'm, hey it's not going well you can't just give up and i think that's what tom was so well Knowing about and you know in the early days of, of me growing up getting in the water and doing what I do now you know having that focus on cleanliness and balance and in the, the the finesse in the water being so important to that ascent I remember diving with other divers that came up in other schools that didn't have a focus on the the physical technique like I had yeah but the experience that they carried and the mental toughness that they carried brings a whole different element to the game that just perfect trim can't give you. And I think that's a a, yeah. a blending that I've tried to mesh, you know, over the, the last decade or so of being able to share with people is, yeah, you got to be clean in the water. You got to be pretty in the water. We know enough in 2022 that there's no use of being lazy in that end. But at the same time, you have to stay mentally in the game no matter how bad it gets. Until everybody's out of the water and home,
1: yeah, the, and that's Tom Mount stuff right there. And and I think you do a great job as an educator, as a teacher, relaying to these people, to the new students, to the people wanting to to become better. You know, you can look over at divers and and I see divers that think, "Oh, I've I've got this down," and they look good in the water. Their trim is great. They have great frog kick, back kick, their propulsion techniques they 're still not there though they still are not, they still uh frighten me <laughs> that kind of frightens me because the ego has told them they 've got it they don 't need to go any further, and that 's the other thing that 's kind of the indicators they say i 'm not going to take another class you know i 'm good i 'm good I mean, look at me, look at me in these movies, look at me, <laughs> look at me in this picture, I look great, and i I think you 're missing a huge aspect which I think you you do well. And teaching the idea of discipline to, the, to these especially new divers with your equipment, discipline with your, the way you approach the dive, the plan, and the constant idea or the idea that you need constant practice. You need to continue diving and practicing and being very meticulous and hard on yourself as far as I can always do better kind of attitude. You know, talking about Tom mountain and, and all of this and and just what I was saying about the looking good and having a good propulsion technique, that's part of it. That's not it, though. But I know divers, I mean, we know divers, that believe that that's it. It's how well they look and how how good they move through the water. And and they've kind of stopped with their progression as far as they, they don't believe they can really be taught anything new. You know, and I think that's where that ego can get you it really can get you and these are the same divers like I'll have discussions with them in the the pub after a dive and it'll it'll get into uh you know divers who don't look great but are like legends they're freaking legends but they don't put this you know like we put this emphasis on the art and the, the beauty of a perfect trim and stuff and these other divers don't Although they're they're an okay trim, they're not in our what we we go oh, bam you know one eighty degrees, uh, but their their diving capabilities, their diving resume, their diving instinct, their the art of their diving is beautiful, beautiful and incredible. And I I would say I would dive with those guys in a split second before any whatever dir. Tech two, Tech three, whatever diver I know. Like these guys are—they are, are divers, you know, in every sense of the word. And I would do that. So, and I mean, I should add that—that's a Tom Mount thing for me. That—that—that that, that idea that it's not just—I and I—I I go back to the time I was going through GUE and introduced to those guys, and and I commend them in the in the discipline, and I really look up to the, all of those the GUE guys at headquarters and everybody blazing a trail there. Um, But to discount people that don't have that, you know, degree of trim, they're off a couple
0: degrees because of that. Because Tom was was a little bit of the other side in those early days. Right. Yeah, exactly. He Mm -hmm. he wasn't a perfect finesse trim guy. But what he had was a whole other part of – really making the actual overall art of this game
1: that we play, right? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, Tom did not have that that uh, emphasis so much on that. And he also did not have the emphasis, and I think this is probably the biggest thing that separated uh, Tom, was he did not have that emphasis emphasis on uniformity across the gear configuration. Um, I think maybe he, he changed that a little bit as time went on. I, don't, I can't speak for the man. But in the early days, especially when I took my first cave class, my instructor was was number two to Tom Mount at the NACD, and then Tom Mount was one of the guys that started the NACD. Um, but he uh, that, that was pre standard configuration. Uh, well, it was just coming out. I mean, it was and it was it was yeah. pre GUE. GUE was an an organization. Um, it was pre DIR. There was something called the Hogarthian. Uh, which was about you know William Hogarth, Main, the idea of a backplate, a long hose, uh, the necklace, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that we adopt now, he was the you know founder of that, and I think they've refined it a little bit. And I, but as far as other equipment figuration, all of those instructors said, try it different ways, and so whatever works for you, that's what you use. You know, right? Which, which is not the method which is not what I do now right I don't I'd say let's try to do it all the same way because there's benefits to it there's a lot of benefits to it and if it's not working for you you just need a little more practice don't give up on it so soon
0: you know well yeah because you you train in it this is that exact thing right you train in it but then there's the whole learning process that comes Mm -hmm. after but I mean People are so conditioned that they, they think they do a weekend of training. They get the card, and they've got it, they've got it forever. I got the no, card right here. It says I have it forever, but that's not it. Like That is your ticket that says now you can get out there and actually learn what it is that you really are trying to do down there.
1: Oh, yeah. It's like getting a driver's license. I know we say this all the time, but you know it's getting a driver's license and, never, and then never driving out of your
0: neighborhood and
1: thinking you can go on the Autobahn.
0: Okay, it doesn't work, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I and I think t- Tom has always been known for being that guy that that stated that there's a mm-hmm. huge difference between learning and training, training. Mm-hmm. and in order to learn, you first have to train to to get some of these skills mm-hmm. under your belt. But then the learning process starts, and that's where you get it. And although you know, yeah, he was given you know uh, a hard time for not being that picture perfect in trim finesse diver i mean the guy did tens of thousands of dives yes real dives not you know at the quarry and at the pool right i mean tens of thousands of real dives and and real students i mean thousands Mm -hmm. of upon thousands of students that he took to these extreme dives and he came back every single time
1: well yeah i mean he ran the training program at the university of uh, miami's um underwater hyperbaric blah 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 Um, the Rosenstahl what is it called the Rosenstahl School of Marine and Atmospheric Science Uh, anyway he ran that for years and years and thousands of diving hours and not a single incident
0: in that psychology of survival article he says that it's easy to understand that each of us may experience an accident however the key component that determines who survives is the individual's reaction to the accident and its consequences. There's a vast difference between learning and training. Training exposes the individual to situational possibilities uh, and on occasions to situational probabilities. Learning, on the other hand, is instilled into muscle memory through training and life experiences. While on a surface look these seem similar, the difference between learning and training is who survives and who does not survive?
1: Very good, yeah, very good. I I, I like the way he, he uh, talked about putting your training to work is really what what learning is. And again, we talk about getting your certification card means you've been trained. And when we, when I would say congratulations, you know, I'm going to certify you. Um, this is your license to learn. Now you go out and learn how to dive properly.
0: <laughs> yeah, because it, it it does no good to have you know a, a full trimix certification, right? And then be on a dive and have something go wrong, and you collapse mentally, right? Because oh, yeah. well, whoa, whoa, we never did that O ring in, in class. In my <laughs> that O ring was never in class. What the fuck uh, do I do now? Right. Like that is that's not what you want to come out of, like the level of certification you have is that mentality of I should have learned everything. And if something new pops up, uh, that that's what's in the next class I'm supposed to take. Yeah. Yeah. And I
1: think, Tom, also, you know, we have an approach of I mean, you and I talk about this and we've talked about this on several episodes is the idea, you know, making the classes softer and easier and uh, uh taking out anything that really challenges the students because, oh, you'll never use that underwater. For example, I can't pull a mask off a student, right? Now, to me, that's ludicrous as if to believe I'm going to prepare this person for an unexpected mask loss or implosion or failure by asking them to give me their mask. Because that's not how it works. That's not how it happens. So it doesn't really prepare you for it when it happens. And things like reducing the swim, the swimming needs, the underwater swim. You know how they got rid of that, uh, basically. Um, when you look at Tom's old programs, especially, he he talks in this in this Marine Te- Technology uh, Society journal article. He he talks about the the program. At University of Miami, that he he developed, and he talks about it. He patterned it um, after the Jimmy Stewart's program at Scripps, which is basically it's a hundred hour basic op- underwater class, open water class, one mile swims. He made this. He had the students. They had to swim a mile, fifty meters on a breath hold underwater, horizontally. Um, those those were uh, how to breathe from bare tanks, no regulators. Now everybody, I mean. The agencies would say you're never going to need that. You're never going to use that. It's never going to happen. But it's not about that
0: sometimes. No, no. Well, it's not about that in particular. If you want, well, there you yeah. go. It's it's not about that if uh, you want to just rush somebody through a certification class <laughs> to to get their to get their money so that they can get on the dive boat, you know, in the Florida Keys or, or wherever. Mm-hmm. But to go from having a certification card. To being a diver, to being a diver's diver, oh, you're th- damn right. You need that training. Yes, just just
1: stuff that he was doing that I, I've gone through in commercial school and and some of the higher tech trainings stuff, and I appreciate it very very much because it it builds a lot of confidence, um, and it prepares you to learn really, um. But I, I just I look back at this article and it, he talks a lot about his time at University of Miami. You
0: know, I've got a an old standards and procedures manual from one of, from the early days of iantd and, and in there, you know, he's got his training philosophy, and you look at it, you know, it's you know a focus on knowledge and understanding, as it should be, um, as it should right, be. You're
1: not, you're not. It's not. This is not rote. A rote memory class, like the like school is now, which is, I'm going to give you information, and I want you to spit it back to me for a test, and then I mark you as knowing it. Yeah, and, and that's not how that's not you knowing it. You've memorized it. Knowing it takes a real educator to test you to see if you know it.
0: Absolutely, and then the next part that he goes into is the skills and stress management. And there he says that, you know, IANTD programs are designed to develop superb water skills and relaxed and comfortable divers. To achieve this level, techniques are taught and drills are incorporated to enable divers to realize their full potential. The confidence developed in this type of training will reward students by allowing them to become self confident and self reliant divers, right? This is like in. Direct opposition in the day of what every training program was, out there was was moving
1: towards too. If they weren't already
0: there, yes, make it right. easier. I mean, this was this was the make it easier yeah. dive today. Don't stress. You em. could be right, get right <laughs> in the water as easy as possible. Yeah. Days, right? I mean, he was. Um, I mean, you look at I E N T D believes basic survival skills must be practiced until they become reflex reactions you know not just do you know do one mask clear handshake see you later but like what you were just talking yeah. about earlier in, until like you can go without a mask and it's it doesn't even change the course of the die okay whatever right. no big deal mm-hmm. you don't have mask clearing down pat
1: yeah that's not mastery you know they throw around i mean that's kind of what kind of gets me going you know is we when I was going through my instructor training and I'm learning all about this, the qualifications to, to, that a student must, must perform an objective to mastery, and then they, they have us do it once or twice, and I'm going, well, I don't know anything I've done in my life that I considered mastered, mastery, using that word once or twice. I, I, there's not a single
0: thing in my life ever but <laughs> i remember in my uh instructor course there was a guy in there that could not get neutrally buoyant to for for to save his goddamn life this guy mm-hmm. could not get neutral buoyant. any position kneeling <laughs> position buddha position <laughs> trimmed position which didn't exist back then standing up <laughs> standing straight up and down <laughs> position right, and then like f- like i mean he he's taken like over a half an hour to try to get neutrally buoyant and then like the uh the examiner's there and they're working with them the the course directors there they're working with them like he's a beginner open water student right <laughs> and it's finally like finally he's neutrally buoyant and it's like there he's got it done okay move on okay let's go
1: holy right? like finally it-
0: we crossed that Well, for your goddamn instructor evaluation yes i i
1: that that just blows my mind the idea like you come into an instructor course and you don't have the basics down and and I can say I've I've got open water students that have the basics down
0: <laughs> yeah exactly okay. now in INTD they go he says here like again this is what I love about looking at these like the, the old training philosophy he says INTD believes diving is a risk activity and thus divers must be aware of risk and he goes on to talk about what you were just saying earlier about having the ability to challenge your students in the water for the mm-hmm. instructors. Like, here's, he's one of the first people saying, you have to do this. Not hide from it, Yeah, but it has to be done in order to, to create a competent diver. You know, the funny thing
1: is, though, here's
0: the real – it's not
1: even funny. It's, it's just – this is in your face to these agencies that take away that – what I th- think is a crucial – Part of training, you know, the instructor being able to just just not give you a warning for something to happen because in real life you're not getting a warning. It robs the students of the that confidence that is gained when you do accomplish it, when you when you handle it without a problem, and eventually that happens for everybody. You know, I re- reflect on training my youngest son. You know, I tell all my kids when you're thirteen. I'll train you to dive if you want to. If you don't want to, that's great. I'm not gonna. I'll hate you. You're out of the will, but I'm not gonna do anything other than that. But no, <laughs> anyway, I go to train him, and, and he has trouble clearing the mask. Right? The, it's the whole learning to control the the nose and mouth breathing thing. And he's young; right. and he doesn't know it. And I, he has some trouble. And this is a kid who doesn't fail at things, you know. And this is one of the problems when you're smart and things come easy, kind of thing. So he's he's struggling, and he and he he said, I, "I'm." I don't want to do this, you know. I could see his eyes pancake size and all this stuff. Okay, we'll come back to it another day. You just you come come and say, "Hey dad, I'm ready. Let's go give it a shot." Which but when students don't have that opportunity to show that they can handle things like that, they rob themselves. They are robbed Of that uh, confidence and the the other thing is once you start getting that confidence the learning curve shoots through the roof and you're excited and you love learning the you know learning diving and and you just everything starts to go and you start to realize I'm being put through a test this course is hard for a reason it's difficult for a reason and it's gonna make me
0: a better diver and person yeah and I was gonna say and better person Another one that I know you're going to love out of this training philosophy is, he says, INTD believes that our instructors do set the example. To this end, the instructor must always be in the water supervising the dive. Well, there's something new. And he, and he goes on to explain, <laughs> that like, well, I know one of your big pet peeves.
1: <laughs> the instructor doesn't, doesn't even have to be in the water. <laughs>
0: and then like in uh, in bold face print it says IANTD considers it an irresponsible action if the instructor is not present on training dives thank you tom and and this was the kind of stuff that just made me admire the
1: guy and
0: and Really yeah, because uh, again, this is a time like when when I was doing my advanced class. You know, the the instructor was up on, uh, up on shore. on you know, navigate around. I watch your bubbles. Yeah, eating, you know, eating a box of donuts. You know, and just like looking at the girls on the beach with his binoculars. You know, it's he's funny. like, all right, go navigate, go do this dive. If you come back, you pass the navigation part. You say
1: he's eating a box. Was he a cop by chance? Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Again. This is one of the things that really, you know, made uh Tom Mount's philosophies and the way he approached diving in life kind of resonate with me and I really, really admired the guy.
0: Yeah, because it's uh, you know, it's that stuff that is is what's gonna help you stay mentally cool and calculated, you know, through the end and, and see that, you know, you guys get home. Right.
1: I hope, I, you know what I hope. Here, here's what my biggest hope is: that people are listening to this podcast, and some of it's resonating with them, and it drives them to to approach diving in in this manner. Because I think you and I share, you know, this kind of same approach as Tom does. I'm not saying we're Tom Mount, so don't get everybody. No, no, up but, in but arms. you know
0: what? It's interesting because uh, I experienced the same, you know path growing up i think that that tom did in in some respects because i've i've held like what i've learned with martial arts training as a critical part of how i teach a class nowadays like there's that whole mental game and that ability to have a completely different personality underwater than when you have on on the surface you know that you need to be able to tap into something that puts you in a place Mm -hmm. that you're in it right? You, you've got that mental ability to, to move forward. Right. And that's, I
1: mean, underwater is that for you and among other things, but yeah, that's a great way to put it. It, you know, I think this theme goes through all of our, or many of our episodes, if not every single one, that idea of the flow state, the, the mental state of being underwater and the, the things you've learned come out of you, they flow through you. And, uh, and you can go have a great experience. That's the whole thing is you're enjoying it. It's its like nothing else you ever do. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Yeah.
0: Well, <clears> hey, <throat> people. Um, that's a little, uh, little bit about good old Tom Mount, the diver's diver. Um, I, I don't know about you, Brando. I, I think we could do multiple episodes on Tom probably easily.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many th- – of his accomplishments that each one could uh, constitute an episode easily, still yeah, an yeah, episode yeah. and and the thing his contributions to the the whole community of scuba diving, the institution of the education of scuba diving incredible stuff he 's definitely someone to look at and, and admire and try to um, be like to a certain degree
0: yeah well, what do you think people should we do a little bit more about Tom? Send us a note. Let us know what you think. You got any cool old Tom Mount stories you want to share with us uh, for us to share with the people? Email them over to us uh, at info at the dot com. You know, when you
1: brought up Tom, I mean, when he passed in these uh, past few weeks and we entertained the idea of doing an episode on, on him, I thought to myself, you know, one episode, definitely. I don't think we'll cover doesn't do the man justice
0: that, that he deserves, right? Wonderful. All right, people. Tell us what you think. Uh, big, uh, big Great Dive Podcast, RIP, and shout-out to Tom Mount and old Dottie Frazier that just recently oh, passed away, too. yes. Shout-out to her uh, diving losing a couple of uh, old legends. Shout-out to Tom diving the, the great big tech dive in the sky.
1: Yes. All
0: right. We'll Don't see you this. next week, everybody.
1: And safe diving, folks.